Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Welcome to Cross Lane, week three of a series we're calling Economic Atheist, where we're discussing the four pertinent questions when it comes to our finances. And it's been kind of interesting to see these four play out, but they're how we work, how we honor, how we budget, and how we Sabbath. Today we're talking about how we budget. We have all at one time or another felt the need to lose some weight, to get into shape. Maybe you're in that place right now and you start asking the question, well, you know, how do you, how do you fix that? Well, um, how do you get back to, to fitness? Let's, let's talk a little bit here at the whiteboard about how maybe we do that. I want to give you a couple of phrases to think about. One phrase is, that's enough. And then you come over here and a phrase that we say a lot that gets us in the shape sometimes that we do is that's not enough. And you think about something like food and you go out to eat, have dinner and you look at the menu and you know there's like Applebee's is really good about showing you um, things that have less calories in them. And what I've noticed, because I'm keen like this, what I've noticed is that those plates aren't as big and there's not as much food on those. So it's a public service announcement for you that if you order that plate, you're not going to get as much food. And so once in a while, I fall into this thing where I find myself saying, hey, that's not enough. I'm looking at the menu, and if I order that, that's, that's not enough. And so a lot of us, what happens with our eating is it, it falls under the category of that's not enough. And so you do enough of that, it's going to catch up with you, right? Uh, you ever uttered the phrase, supersize me? Uh, that's what you're saying is that's not enough. And so uh, what, what eventually happens is if you keep eating and you put food under the category of that's not enough, eventually what happens is that begins to catch up with you and it puts pressure on things, specifically your belt. And then, you know, your belt starts to tell on you because you've got, do you have one of those belts that tells the story of your life? Because, you know, there's the where you started and then as you've increased you kind of let the belt out which is a great thing that they do with belts is they give you several holes different options I'm all about options but the problem comes when you put so much pressure on your belt you run out of options there's not another hole you know you're in trouble when you're taking out a punch or an all of some kind and you're starting to make a new hole right or you get it worse yet you take a pocket knife now we're cutting off fingers and bleeding all over the place all because we put food under the category of that's not enough. And so what ends up having to happen is you've got to, there has to be some budgeting that goes on in order to arrest this process because if you don't do this, you're going to run into some health issues and some other things. Nobody's going to want to be around you. And so you, what you've got to do is you've got to move over here to this category and put eating under the category of that's enough. What, what you can't do is you can't come, you know, when you come to 
the end of dinner, maybe look at your wife and say, would you like to split a dessert? But see, oftentimes we say, no, that's not enough. I want my own dessert. I'm really good at that, right? What has to happen is you have to give up something that you love, in this case eating, for something that you love more, which would be physical fitness. Now, this also happens with our finances. See, a lot of us struggle with this idea we want to put spend under that's not enough. I just want to, I just want to have more stuff. I just, I, you know, I, I go get a little, that's okay, but I've got more money and I want to buy more stuff. And I just, I spend, 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 and eventually I come to the end and I don't have anything left. And then I'm mad at me or I'm mad at my spouse or I'm mad at somebody because I've run out. The problem is I put spend under the wrong thing. And just like we had to do with eating, we have to move it to a place where we're constantly saying that's enough. We need to do that with our finances as well. It's got to move over here. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to give up something that I love, in this case, spend, 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 in this case, having a bunch of stuff. I'm giving up what I love for something that I love more. which is really peace. That's what I really love. I love being at peace. I love not having to worry about it. I love not having to look at my checkbook and say, oh my, I'm about to run out of money. This is no good. No, when I move my spending from that's not enough to that's enough, and I start saying, you know what? I'm going to rest this. I'm not going to do this anymore. We're going to do things differently now. We're going to move this to another category. I'm going to give up something I love, things, gadgets, and I'm going to move it to the category of that's enough. I've got enough of that stuff. I don't need any more. And you know what happens eventually is you fall into this place where you, you have all this peace, and it feels really good. All budgeting is is trading something that you love, like financial purchases, for something you love more, like financial peace. And this is so obvious. It's so easy for us to say, why is this so difficult for us to do? From eating to finances, this can be a problem. I've got a video that I want to show you. It's two minutes long, but I think it'll make the point for me. Many big ideas have struggled over the centuries to dominate the planet. Fascism. Communism. Democracy. Religion. But only one has achieved total supremacy. Its compulsive attractions rob its followers of reason and good sense. It has created unsustainable inequalities threatened to tear apart the very fabric of our society. More powerful than any cause or even religion, it has reached into every corner of the globe. It is consumerism. But what is consumerism? Isn't it just a posh way to describe shopping? We're all consumers, after all. We all go shopping. Society obviously couldn't function without some level of consumption. 
I'm not talking about consumption here. I'm talking about the idea that we should all actively be consuming more and more every year, and that this is the best measure of economic progress. So consumerism puts consumption at the very heart of the modern economy. And everything is done to persuade us to go and consume more. Advertising hoardings, billboards, newspapers, magazines, the TV, we are bombarded day in, day out by these advertising messages. You may think they're all selling you something different, different products, different brands, different lifestyles. But at the same time, they're selling one big idea, that the more we consume, the better our lives will be. So consumerism tells us that the more we consume, the better our lives will be. And, and we tend to believe that. We, we tend to say, yeah, the more, more, more I have, the, the better things are going to be for me. And we're not only affected, we're infected. He said consumerism robs us of reason and good sense. See, we know that that's not enough really doesn't exist. You, you can't live that way physically. You can't live that way financially forever. That will eventually catch up with you. And yet consumerism robs us of the good sense and the reason that would cause us to slip over to the life-changing, hey, that's, not en- that's enough. That's, I'm drawing a line. That's all I'm going to do. We have to build some that's enough fences in our life. I need a that's enough fence in my exercise. I need a that's enough fence in my eating. I need a that's enough fence in my finances. We need a fence like that in our finances so that when we get to the end, we are heard to say, that's it, that's enough. I want us to look at a passage in Leviticus chapter 19. We've been in this chapter for all three weeks so far. Leviticus chapter 19, we're going to look specifically at verse 13, and there are, there are three lessons that I, we're going to focus on out of this this morning that everybody needs to learn when it comes to budgeting. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 13. I love that. Page is turning. That just makes me happy. Leviticus nineteen thirteen. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker Overnight, It appears that these workers were being paid at the end of each day, and, and God has given instruction about how to take care of that worker. God cares about this. God cares about the little details of things. Verse 14, do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. You know, don't, don't put a stumbling block in front of them. Don't, they have enough issues already that don't do that but then he's going to give some advice for another group of people is he's going to say don't take advantage of the disadvantaged economically verse 15 do not pervert justice do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great but judge your neighbor fairly you know what he's saying he's saying look if a poor person sues a rich person don't just throw it in favor of the poor person you be just about it. You be fair. You, you really consider the case, and you don't just say, well, they're poor, so we're just going to throw it in their favor. No, you, you hear the case. You judge it fairly. And he says, and don't show favoritism to the rich either. You, you judge fairly. 
Now, I want us to kind of move backward in the chapter a couple of verses to verse 9, and that's really where I want us to focus uh, in what we're going to see in the rest of the message. Verse 9, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field. He says, you, you've got a field, that's great, I've given you that, I want you to harvest that field, but when you get to the edges of it, you don't take that. What you're going to get is what's in the middle there, that's enough for you and your family. That's what I want you to have. So he says, do not reap the very, to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over the vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. So three lessons that all of us must learn. Otherwise, we add tremendous pressure to our lives financially, oftentimes the kind of pressure that can be our undoing in terms of family and checkbook and, and our future. Three lessons that contribute to financial peace. The first one is this, live inside your budget. You need to live inside your budget, and now this is not the time for spouses to start looking at one another, like, you know he's talking to you, right? You know that. No, this isn't counseling, though this is where a lot of pressure can live. Live inside your budget. Back to the text, he says, He says that there are owners or employers, if you will, they own the field, and and he tells them the crops are yours, and that's enough. Now, you own the field, so what right does God have to tell you as the owner of the field, you're not allowed to reap out into into the edges? The reason is because God owns everything. He's the author of everything. He's given you life, and he's given you instruction economically. And if you're a theist, you're one who believes in God, you, you believe you know, in Jesus, I mean, you're, you want to you know that. You pay attention. These are clues to economic life. The crops are given to you, and he says, you, just, you, you harvest that there in the middle, the edges you kind of leave alone. Now he's going to talk about the employees, the, the, the benefactors of the work that is done, and they have their limit. They get a salary. And, and so that's what they get. And then he talks about the non-workers and the non-owners, the poor, those who don't own, own the field. And he literally says to them, the edges are yours and that's enough. And he says, you all have your budget. You, you need to live inside your budget. Tony Evans has made the comment that socialism teaches that the government owns everything. Capitalism teaches that we own everything. But Christianity teaches that God owns everything. And the reality is this, the poor, he says, you you get the edges. But don't go take from the crops, the crops are not yours. The owners, the crops are yours, but not the edges. And the employee, the wage is what you're going to get. God is giving us insight into how to live within, that's enough. In fact, we often talk about this around the church in the language of the 10-10-80 principle. That there is a pattern to budgeting life that the first 10% is God's, that you honor, honor God with the first 10%. We talked about that last weekend. And then we talk about uh, 10% saved. So you pay God and then you pay yourself 10% of what you make each week because life has all kinds of breakdowns. There's all kinds of things to be prepared for and we, we want to be prepared for those things. And so this is about finding some margin in your present and in your future. 
And then you live off of the 80%. So what you're really trying to do is you're trying to establish an amount of money that you can live off of. You say, well, Brad, I, you know, I, I got to have more than that. Here's what I know about you and me both. If, if the government, like let's say you're living on 90% of your income. And you say, Brad, I, I can't afford to give up any more of my income than that. We need all 90%. I have a feeling that that is not true. I have a feeling that if the United States government came along and said, hey, we're going to raise your taxes, and we're going to now take another 3%, and they said, you're now going to live off 87% of, of your income, you would figure out a way to adjust and bring it down so that they got what they needed. See, we, we, we can do this, we just oftentimes don't want to do this. So, so you're going you're gonna to give God 10%, you want to pay God, you want to pay yourself 10%, and then you want to figure out how to live on the other 80%, which is really your, you know, your taxes and your housing, your food, your living expenses. And this can be very, very challenging for a lot of us. Now, we, we help a lot of people here at Crosslink. Um, we have people coming in on a weekly basis asking us to do various and sundry things for them. And it, 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 a lot of times it centers around food. There's a lot of things they ask us for that we just don't do. Um, just we just don't can't get in, into a lot of what they need. But um, we try to help feed people. We feed a lot of people. And once in a great while, we do some other things as well. Um, and I'm going to say this, and I, I, I would... If you don't know me very well, then this might hit you the wrong way, but ask somebody that knows me, and they will tell you that I care about people, and I care about helping people, and I don't like to see anybody go without, especially food, but it amazes me how many people come in like that, and they're going to ask us for food, and, and that's fine, but oftentimes they've driven up in something that's better than what our staff is driving, and they walk in and they, with their manicured nails, whip out their iPhone and make a phone call on their smartphone. And you just kind of stand there for a minute and you think, okay, wait a minute. You have a smartphone, but you don't have any food. I mean, that something doesn't add up there. Now, you would say, well, Brett, you don't know what's going on in their life, and there may be special circumstances. I'll give you that. Some of these people we see on a regular basis, okay? They're asking us often, and, and they have access to... Now, I get it. A phone is something that in this culture we've got to have, right? I mean, there's probably a bunch of you in the room that have gone away from having a house phone in your house, and you probably have just, to save some money, gotten rid of the house phone, and you just use your cell phone for all of your calls. I get that. I understand in a culture like this that... You've got to have a phone. You've got to be connected. You've got to be in touch with your family. You've got to be in touch with your employer. I understand that. I'm not, don't get too hung up on the phone. I understand that we have to have a phone. But do you have to have a smartphone if you can't afford it? Do you have to have a smartphone with the data plan that just goes out the wazoo? It's amazing how confused we can get about what we have to have and what we want to have. Let me... Let me quote you something relative to smartphones, and then I'll leave it alone because it's really not about phones. But I read something that said, making less than $15,000 a year doesn't stop 43% of 25 to 34-year-old customers from paying for a smartphone for what many consider a luxury they call a necessity. See, you're making a decision about what is a have-to and what is a want-to. 
And again, don't get hung up on the phone thing. You, you own whatever kind of phone you want. That's, here's my point. If you own a smartphone, make sure it's within your budget. Right? Make sure it's inside your budget. In other words, don't go out and buy all the things you want and then expect someone else in the culture around you to supply the things that you need. That's backward thinking. That's not living inside your budget. Figure out how to live inside your budget. This is challenging. If you own the crops, you've got to live inside that. You pick up the gleanings, you've got to figure out how to live inside that. You're the employee that's given a wage. That's your budget. And we don't get a lot of help on this from our government these days. We can't really look up to them to, to model for us what it looks like to live inside of a budget because they have great difficulty as well. Uh, there's not much being modeled there. Let me just lay a statistic on you, okay? And I, I, I was told after first service I messed up a slide. Um, I'm, I'm going to use the, the dates of uh, 1961 and 2011, and I'm told I've got 2011 on there twice. So I've been made aware, okay? I'm fallible. Who knew? Um, so in 1961, the average median income for a household was $5,700. That's 1961. 50 years later, in 2011, the median household income was $49,909 for an increase of 775%. That's the household income. Now let's talk about the federal government. They went from an income in 1961 of $94.39 billion to 2011, the government's income was $2.17 trillion for an increase of 2,521%. So the federal government's income has increased three times greater than household income and if we're supposed to live inside our budget, I think that they should have to live inside their budget as well. It's just a, it's a simple principle, right? Now, before you start yelling at me about Brett, you're talking about politics. I don't care whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian or an Independent or Tea Party or some, you know, your own party. Which, we might run the country better if we went with your party. Who knows? But... There are principles of finance, and finance doesn't work. There, are no, there is no physical financial fitness unless you learn to live inside your own budget. And it's easy for us to get upset at the government, but let's not focus on the macro level. Let's, let's focus on the micro level. Let's just say, yeah, let's just, what about us? How are you doing? Or as Joy would say, how are you doing? How are you doing with living inside your budget? I have a, a video that I want to show you. It's, it's kind of long, but it's, I think it's pretty good. There's all kinds of different ways to talk about budgeting. I thought this was a creative way to do it. I think it's something that you may remember. And again, it's not the only way to do it. We teach other ways, even at this church, even through Financial Peace University. But I think that this will, will be a way for you to remember. So, and this is, guy's name is Kevin Queen. been looking forward to this. 
chance for me to sit down with you and share a principle, something that I learned when I was younger that stayed with me. It's, it's changed the way that I, I handle money. And some have called it the 10-10-80 principle. Um, I want to share it with you as actually the give, save, live principle. So give, save, and live. Now, this is a way of prioritizing the way that we handle our money. And if you, if you choose not to have priorities, you're going to choose to live with pressure your entire life. See, see the prioritization is what, is what creates margin in our lives. This space on the cup, this is the margin of the cup. And if the cup didn't have margin, it'd be a mess. It'd create a mess. Everything would, would spill over and create a mess all over the place. And, and people live with a mess all over the place financially when they don't have margin in their life with their finances. So we're going to talk about, through these priorities, is how you create margin in your life. Now, let's, let's just say you get a job, and uh, let's say the job's at Chick-fil-A, and payday's going to come. And so you end up, on payday, you end up making $10. So we're going to put these cups out here, and this represents the give, save, and live. So what's the first priority? Well, the first priority is the tithe. It's 10%. It's giving the first 10% back to God. It's, a, it's an offering back to Him because you want to be a candidate for favor. You want to live underneath His umbrella of blessing. So you, get, you give back to God. You honor Him. The second decision that you make is to save. But that's in the ideal world. And many of us, we live in the real world. And in the real world, what tends to happen is we tend to accumulate living expenses that take the rest of what we have. Now, we all have living expenses. We've got a place to stay, and we've got food to eat, and we've got to put clothes on our back. But what happens is when this gets out of control, everything goes toward that. But you've been doing the hard work. You've been figuring out how to squeeze money from your budget. And so let's just say you cut back on going out to eat many times a week. and then, Or, or let's say you, you started carpooling or, or that you started buying store brand at the grocery store. You've done the hard work, and you've saved $2. Now, you've got this $2.00 to put toward safe, but not just yet. I wanna talk about a critical point that many people overlook, and we're gonna call it the Weeds Happen Fund. And so I wanna press pause on save and bring into play the Weeds Happen. And so in order to build this Weeds Happen Fund, let's just say $1,000 that you wanna save up for emergency, um, you've got these $2 to put toward that, but you've also, through creativity, you've figured out other ways to get more money. Let's just say you sold that treadmill that you got for Christmas. Uh, you sold that treadmill on Craigslist. Um, it was supposed to be for your resolution, but you, uh, you get $1. And, and let's, let's also say that, you know, those, those jeans that you bedazzled and, uh, and you sold those online on, on eBay, uh, you got, we're going to talk about you bedazzling Close. We'll talk about that later. But you get another dollar. And so now you've got $4 to put toward Weeds Happen. You're building up this fund. And the good news is another payday comes. And when another payday comes, you have a priority to make. You have a decision to make. It's that first decision to honor God. Then we've got that, to stick to that budget that we set. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And so seven goes to that budget. This leaves the remaining two for Weeds Happen. Now, surprise, surprise, it's good news. You got, a, you got your tax return back, so another $2 goes to Weeds Happen. This closes out your Weeds Happen fund because emergencies are going to happen. You're now prepared for that. So we're just going to move that over here for a time of emergency. This brings save back into play. And so you might think, well, now it's time to save, but not just yet. I want to talk about another area, and that's debt. 
good news. It's payday. Another payday comes, and you've been honoring God with first fruits. God's blessed you. You got a raise. You got $13 now. And you know what? It's a good thing. Your birthday's rolled around, and surprise, surprise, your grandmother sent you a card, and you got a dollar in the card. So that's add another dollar to the mix. And so now you've got a decision to make. What's your first priority? It's to honor God with the tithe. And so we'll put two in here. Dollar, uh, dollar forty would be toward that first fruits, honoring God. Sixty cents. Let's say it goes, it goes above and beyond the tithe, or to, to support a, a mission trip. And so you've made that decision. The second priority is to continue to stick to that, continue to stick to that budget. Three, four, five, six, seven. It goes in your live fund. This leaves one, two, three, four, five to go toward debt. Now let's talk for debt. Let's talk about debt for a second. In this strategy, you want to attack the lowest debt that you have first. This is called the snowball effect. And you'll attack the lowest debt, and after you pay that off, you'll pay the next lowest, and continue to go until you pay off the highest debt. And so here's the good news. Good news is, you continue this strategy, eventually you're debt free. Close that out. And now that we've closed out debt, now it's time to start saving. And this is the time where you can begin to accumulate wealth. And so what we want to do is we want to make saving the second priority. So this means honoring God's the first priority, second priority is saving, and the third priority is living expenses. So the good news is another payday comes. And on that first priority, the decision you make is to honor God, first fruits. But now you have margin. Now you can begin to save and accumulate wealth. And then, because it's 10, 10, 80, now you have $8 to go toward living expenses. Three, four, five, six, seven which leaves you with three. And this is margin. You can make a decision about what you want to do with this. Maybe you want to go above and beyond and give to God. Maybe you want to begin to save and continue to build up and accumulate wealth. Or maybe you want to take this and just have fun. But now you have options. And uh, you know what? You hear this and you might think, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm working with. This is all I've got. Or maybe you're listening to it and you're thinking, this is the lifestyle that I have. This is what I've got to work with. But the reality is, no matter where you're at, the 10, 10, 80, applies. It's the principle that applies. So here you are with three dollars. Speaking of having fun, I've got three dollars left. You want to go get some ice cream? Yeah. <laughs> okay, come on. So everybody has to live inside their budget. You have to put up a that's enough fence at some point and you have to sit inside that financially and we have to learn that ourselves and we have to pass that on to the next generation. One of the things that I really want you to do is to leave here today and talk to your kids about how they budget things. Did anybody teach you how to budget? No one ever talked to me about that kind of stuff and so I kind of grew up not really ever thinking much about it or, or talking much about it. Um, I think it's one of the great gifts you could give to your kids is to teach them how to honor God and how to save some money for themselves and like I said, that's just what he did is just one of many ways. But the, the, the goal is to get on some kind of, of thing where, where you know where stuff's going and you're honoring God with it. Um, it and really what it's about is it's about self-leadership. It's about being able to, to lead yourself. We, we oftentimes try to lead others. We, we need to lead ourselves. The second lesson today is, is everyone does not have the same budget. The owners had a budget, and that's enough. They were to live off the crops. The employees had another budget. They were given a wage. They were expected to live off that. The poor 
were given the, the outer parts of the crops and, and what was left over and the things that, that fell to the ground that they could pick up and they were to live off that. That was enough for them. The reality, though, is that we don't all have the same budget. And, and that troubles some of us, doesn't it? Because what we end up saying is, well, that's not, that's not fair. See, we, we, we've gotten to the place where we've heard this so much that we just think that everything is supposed to be fair. We just expect the world to be fair. And when I was a youth pastor, I don't know how many times I would make the comment to the youth group, look, the sooner you understand that life is not fair, the better off you're going to be. The better, because not, we, we don't, see, we expect life to be fair, but in reality, what life really is, is it kind of resembles what I've got going on up here on the table. Life kind of resembles this. Different sizes, different containers, different amounts of Skittles. And so, you know, we, we have a conversation with God and we say, uh, God, I would like you to, you know, bless me and give to me. Now, here's the thing. Does God give the same amount to everybody? No, he doesn't. God doesn't seem to be too worried about fairness the way we understand fairness when it comes to the resources that we've been given and God doesn't give to everybody the same in fact there's a story in the Bible where Jesus is telling this story and to one guy he gives five talents to another guy he gives two talents to another guy he gives one talent you're watching that happen and if you live in America you're you're tempted to say well wait a minute that's not fair but it doesn't seem to be too much of a problem for Jesus and so God only expects us to return to him based on what it is that we have. So, you know, we start, uh, we start talking to God and, and praying, and God, would you, would you bless me, and would you give me something? And, and so let's just start right here. And, you know, God, would you just bless me with Skittles? And God's pouring them out, and we say, oh, that's wonderful. Just fill it, bring it all the way to the top. That would be great. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Here's the problem. As we look up, we think to ourselves, but that's not where I'm at. You know, I'd like to have that someday, but, but that's really not where it's at for me. I would, I would you know, can I, could I get something other than that? See, here's what I think. God, this is kind of where I'm at right now. It'd be great if I had that, but I'm kind of right here. Mine's smaller. Here's what you need to understand. Smaller is okay. You can live off smaller. Now we, we have a tendency to look in this direction, right? We're always looking in this direction, but here's what God says. God says, what I've given to you, I want you to honor me back with, and when, if this is all I've given you, that's enough. Yeah, it'd be great if you had this. would be wonderful, and maybe one day you will, but right now, this is what you've got You need to learn how to be thankful for what you have, and you need to learn how to honor me with what you have, and you need to be able to say, that's enough. You can live on the smaller container. There's enough in there for you to live on. Now, I want to read something to you from Luke chapter 12. This is Jesus. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? 
Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And and this is troubling because this is most likely the younger brother. Okay, this, if there's got two brothers, and this is more than likely the younger brother, the elder brother, it sounds like, got all the Skittles. He got his inheritance, and, and it was just typical in the day. The oldest kind of got more, and this younger brother has noticed that, and he feels like he got the small container. And, and so he's complaining to, to Jesus, and he says, tell my brother to share with me. Look at my brother. He's full of greed. Now, here's a very interesting thing. Jesus uses this opportunity to expose the greed of the younger brother. You see, it's very difficult to expose the greed in someone else without exposing your own. It's really difficult to do that. And Jesus says, be very careful. You see, we're entirely capable of spending our entire existence looking up the line from here at this. And making this the goal and saying, boy, that, that's what I want to do. I want to go that way. Of course, we're not looking down here, are we? Nobody, n- nobody is looking on that end. Back here where somebody has less. Oh, yeah. See, there's always somebody who has more. And there's always somebody who has less. But what we're really doing is we're looking up here, aren't we? And we're saying, Lord, I have prayed and I have asked you to pour out a blessing on my life. Oh, come on. Oh, that's great. Do I, Lord, do you think maybe it would be possible for you to give me even more God, just spill it all the way to the top. Oh, that's what I like. Fill it up, top it off. And here's what we think. We start to think that this guy has been blessed more than this guy. And we don't understand that having more Skittles does not mean you're more blessed. Because there's, there's all kinds of different blessings. There, there are, are blessings over our families. There are blessings over our jobs. There's blessings over our health. There's blessings over our finances, yes, but there's blessings over a whole lot of different other things. And, and to think that, that to have more makes me more prosperous or to have, sometimes this happens too. Well, I don't have as much, so I'm probably holier or I'm better because I don't, I'm not, I'm unencumbered by that kind of, of greed. See, here's the thing. As we look up the line, that's greed, right? I mean, we kind of look this way and go, boy, I wish I had that. That's where the greed starts. But when you're here and you look down, what that oftentimes can do for you is that can bring gratitude. And so it's not about how many Skittles we've got. Don't get hung up on that. God said, look, some of you, you're down here. And then he said, and I'm going to leave some on the ground for some other people. And that's enough. That's all you need. That's going to be plenty to, to supply what you need to be able to make it. Is it this? No. Don't worry about that. This is where you are. 
You just need to live within what it is that I've given you. And see, we have a tendency to think, well, if, if I've been blessed more, then I must be more holy or God must care for me more. No, it's in how you handle what you've been given that determines your holiness. It's how you handle the resources that you've been given. If you squander things and you're not, you don't, you're not a good steward of those things, God would look at you and say, look, you've got a lot to learn. And, and in terms of a, a spirituality meter, if you don't figure this out, you're going to be way down low on the, on the meter. And so the key is you brought nothing into this world. You're not taking anything out of this world. Godliness with contentment with whatever he has given you is great gain. We don't all have the same budget, but we're going to have to learn to live within the budget that we have. And it's a difficult thing because that's enough is a tough fence for a lot of us to get behind. Now the third lesson today is budget to share with those in need. God tells the owner, don't touch the edges, don't go over it a second time, Your world needs to include those who are in need. And that's not just in the Old Testament. That happened. We get that from the New Testament as well. I want to read to you from Ephesians 4. We've heard this passage in all three weeks so far. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they might have something to eat for themselves. That's not what it says. That they might have something for their future. That's not what it says. It says that in other places, but it doesn't say that here. Here it says that they may have something to share with those in need. God is reminding us that there's some economical principle in play here. Sow, grow, harvest. And when you harvest, God says, you not only honor God first, but you make provisions to help other people, and that's the way you sow back into your life. And that's how you keep this thing going. That's how you keep yourself blessable. That's how you keep yourself under the umbrella of God's favor. God, I'm about more than just me. I'm about other people as well. And I don't want to, make, I don't want to be selfish with all this stuff. You become a candidate for God's blessing. So the question is, how are you doing with budgeting? Nelson Searcy, I'm going to read this to you and, and then we'll close. Nelson Searcy wrote a book called The Generosity Ladder. And in the book, he, he talks about a, a commencement address that Stephen King delivered to Vassar University, to the students there. And, you know, Stephen King is probably not the first name that rushes to your mind to, to, as a person that you would want to get uh, godly advice from in the area of finances. But actually, what he says here is pretty good, and I'd like to share it with you. It's not real long. He said, a couple of years ago, I found out what you can't take it with you really means. I found out while I was lying in a ditch at the side of a country road covered with mud and blood and with the tibia of my right leg poking out of the side of my jeans like a branch of a tree taken down in a thunderstorm. Oh, I had a MasterCard in my wallet, but when you're lying in a ditch with broken glass in your hair, no one accepts MasterCard. See, we all know that life is ephemeral, but on that particular day and in the months that followed, I got a painful but extremely valuable look at life's simple backstage truths. We come in naked and broke. We may be dressed when we go out, but we are just as broke. Warren Buffett, going to go out broke. Bill Gates, 
going out broke. Tom Hanks, going out broke. Stephen King, broke. Not a crying dime. All the money you earn, all the stocks you buy, all the mutual funds you trade, all of that is mostly smoke and mirrors. It is still going to be a quarter past getting late whether you tell time on a Timex or a Rolex. No matter how large your bank account, no matter how many credit cards you have, sooner or later, things will begin to go wrong with the only three things you have that you really can call your own. Your body, your spirit, your mind. So I want you to consider making your life one long gift to others. And why not? All you have is on loan anyway, and that lasts, and all that lasts is what you pass on. We have the present power to help, the power to change. And why should we refuse? Because we're going to take it with us? Please. Giving is a way of taking the focus off the money we make and putting it back where it belongs on the lives we lead, the families we raise, and the communities that nurture us. A life of giving, not just money, but time, spirit, repays. It repays, help, it, it repays, it helps us remember that we may be going out broke, but right now we're doing okay. Right now we have the power to do great good for others and for ourselves. So I ask you to begin giving and to continue as you began. I think you will find in the end that you get far more than you ever had and did far more good than you ever dreamed. <laughs> Stephen King. Sounds like Stephen King's been reading Leviticus and Ephesians 4. Giving yourself away is hardwired in you because you are created in the image of a God who is a giving God. So many of you in the past week, there's been a a, a situation, if you participated, you know what I'm talking about, have have been very unselfish this week for the sake of another family. And you have been so generous, beautifully so. It is, this has been modeled. What I'm talking about, it's not like we don't get this. There's a lot of people in this church that get this because it's been modeled this week in a, in a beautiful, very tangible way. This goes far beyond giving to a church. This is about living a generous life. This is about tipping well. This is about not clinging so tightly to a dollar. This is about understanding that you've been given resources so that you can share those resources in part with other people. This is what Jesus does to a life when you give your life to him. And I would just like to take the last couple of minutes and just say, if, you, if you've kind of gone through life and thought, man, there's got to be something more than, than this, and all you've done your whole life is live for you, there is more to life than this. And you won't know how beautiful life can be until you come to Christ and he gives you a heart for other people. And he begins to make you a generous person. And he begins to make you somebody who thinks about yourself second or third or fourth and thinks about other people first. That's the kind of God we offer to you. That's the kind of God who calls you to him. I want to pray over you and and then we'll close uh, our service this morning. God, You truly have given all of us resources, and they are not all the same. 
Lord, my prayer would be that we don't get hung up in looking at what somebody else has, but that we would just focus on what you have been so gracious to give to us. That we would learn how to say that's enough. That we would learn how to get inside the fence of your favor when it comes to our finances, and that we would learn how to honor you first. Because if it's coming from you and we honor you first, it just stands to reason that's it's going to make us a candidate for further blessing. And Lord, there are people in this room this morning with some financial difficulties. There's, I'm sure of that. But Lord, you have the power to change it. That it may just start with us putting our foot down and saying, you know what, that's enough. No more. God, would you come alongside us and would you help us to budget better? Would you help us to have the courage maybe that it takes to honor you first and to make that a regular part of what we do with our finances? Finally, God, if there's somebody in the room this morning that has heard this message, I pray that they just wouldn't hear that God wants your money. I pray that they would hear that God gives us money and so much more. Father, we love you, we honor you, we worship you in these moments together. It's in Jesus' name we pray.